Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 87. Our theme today is how to trust God while suffering. And each of our stories and the Psalms we'll read speak to this theme. And I hope as we hear how the Bible speaks about trusting God while suffering, we'll learn how to do this and why we can do it in an amazing way that, yes, may seem counterintuitive to us and may seem strange, but actually leads to great joy and even praising God in the midst of suffering. And so we begin today with 1 Samuel chapter 20. David fled from Naoth and Ramah. He came to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my offense? How have I sinned before your father that he is seeking my life? Jonathan said to him, By no means are you going to die. My father does nothing large or small without making me aware of it. Why would my father hide this matter from me? It just won't happen. Taking an oath, David again said, Your father is very much aware of the fact that I have found favor with you, and he has thought, Don't let Jonathan know about this, or he will be upset. But as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, There is about one step between me and death. Jonathan replied to David, Tell me what I can do for you. Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and I am certainly expected to join the king for a meal. You must send me away so I can hide in the field until the third evening from now. If your father happens to miss me, you should say, David urgently requested me to let him go go to his town Bethlehem, for there is an annual sacrifice there for his entire family. If he should then say, that's fine, then your servant is safe. But if he becomes very angry, be assured that he has decided to harm me. You must be loyal to your servant, for you have made a covenant with your servant in the Lord's name. If I am guilty, you yourself kill me. Why bother taking me to your father? Jonathan said, far be it from you to suggest this. If I were at all aware that my father had decided to harm you, wouldn't I tell you about it? David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me if your father answers you harshly? Jonathan said to David, Come on, let's go out to the field. When the two of them had gone out into the field, Jonathan said to David, The Lord God of Israel is my witness. I will feel out my father about this time the day after tomorrow. If he is favorably inclined toward David, will I not then send word to you and let you know? But if my father intends to do you harm, may the Lord do all this and more to Jonathan if I don't let you know and send word to you so that you can go safely on your way. May the Lord be with you as he was with my father. While I am still alive, extend to me the loyalty of the Lord or else I will die. Don't ever cut off your loyalty to my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth and called David's enemies to account. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David. Jonathan once again took an oath with David because he loved him. In fact, Jonathan loved him as much as he did his own life. Jonathan said to him, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you will be missed, for your seat will be empty. On the third day you should go down quickly and come to the place where you hid yourself the day this all started. Stay near the stone of Ezel. I will shoot three arrows near it, as though I were shooting at a target. When I send a boy after them, I will say, Go and find the arrows. 
If I say to the boy, Look, the arrows are on this side of you, get them, then come back. For surely as the Lord lives, you will be safe and there will be no problem. But if I say to the boy, Look, the arrows are on the other side of you, then get away. For in that case, the Lord has sent you away. With regard to the matter that you and I discussed, the Lord is the witness between us forever. So David hid in the field. When the new moon came, the king sat down to eat his meal. The king sat down in his usual place by the wall, with Jonathan opposite him and Abner at his side. But David's place was vacant. However, Saul said nothing about it that day, for he thought something has happened to make him ceremonially unclean. Yes, he must be unclean. But the next morning, the second day of the new moon, David's place was still vacant. So Saul said to his son Jonathan, Why has Jesse's son not come to the meal yesterday or today? Jonathan replied to Saul, David urgently requested that he be allowed to go to Bethlehem. He said, Permit me to go, for we are having a family sacrifice in the town, and my brother urged me to be there. So now, if I have found favor with you, let me go to see my brothers. For that reason, he has not come to the king's table. Saul became angry with Jonathan and said to him, You stupid traitor! Don't I realize that to your own disgrace and to the disgrace of your mother's nakedness you have chosen this son of Jesse? For as long as the son of Jesse is alive on the earth, you and your kingdom will not be established. Now send some men and bring him to me, for he is as good as dead. Jonathan responded to his father Saul, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Then Saul threw his spear at Jonathan in order to strike him down. So Jonathan was convinced that his father had decided to kill David. Jonathan got up from the table and raged. He did not eat any food on the second day of the new moon, for he was upset that his father had humiliated David. The next morning, Jonathan, along with his young servant, went out to the field to meet David. He said to his servant, Run, find the arrows that that I am about to shoot. As the servant ran, Jonathan shot the arrow behind him. When the servant came to the place where Jonathan had shot the arrow, Jonathan called out to the servant, Isn't the arrow farther beyond you? Jonathan called out to the servant, Hurry, go faster, don't delay. Jonathan's servant retrieved the arrow and came back to his master. Now the servant did not understand any of this. Only Jonathan and David knew what was going on. Then Jonathan gave his equipment to the servant who was with him. He said to him, Go, take these things back to the town. When the servant had left, David got up from beside the mound, knelt down with his face to the ground, and bowed three times. Then they kissed each other, and they both wept, especially David. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for the two of us have sworn together in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord will be between me and you, and between my descendants and your descendants forever. And this story begins a season of David's life in which he will be running and hiding and calling out to God to help him, even though he has done nothing wrong, that he is the one who will suffer as he runs and hides from King Saul. We now move to First Chronicles chapter 4, a parallel uh, account of things that happen in these other um, passages from Samuel and, and the book of Kings. But today we'll be reading First Chronicles 4, looking at more of the descendants of Judah, David's line. The descendants of Judah, Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Shobal. Riah, the son of Jobal, Shobal was the father of Jahath, and Jahath was the father of Ahumai and Lahad. These were the clans of the Zorahethites. These were the sons of Etam, Jezreel, Ishma, and Idbesh. Their sister was Hasalelponi. Penuel was the father of Gedor, and Ezer was the father of Husha. These were the descendants of Hur, the firstborn of Aphathrath, the father of Bethlehem. 
Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Hela and Nara. Nara bore him Ahusam, Hefer, Temani, and Hashtari. These were the sons of Nara. The sons of Hela, Zereth, Zoar, Ethnan, and Koz were the father, who was the father of Anub, Hasobela, and the clans of Harlal, the son of Harum. Jabez was more respected than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, for she said, I experienced pain when I gave birth to him. Jabez called out to the God of Israel, If only you would greatly bless me and expand my territory. May your hand be with me. Keep me from harm so I might not endure pain. God answered his prayer. Caleb, the brother of Shuha, was the father of Meir, who was the father of Eshton. Eshton was the father of Bethraphath, Pasiah, and Tekna, the father of Ir Nahash. These were the men of Rekah. The sons of Kenas, Othniel, and Zeriah. The sons of Othniel, Hathath, and Meniothai. Meniothai was the father of Ophrah. Zerai was the father of Job, the father of those who live in the valley of craftsmen, for they were craftsmen. The sons of Caleb, son of Jephunan, Eri, Elah, and Nam. The son of Elah, Kenaz. The sons of Jehalalal, Ziph, Zipha, Tiriah, and Azrael. The sons of Ezra, Jether, Mered, Epher, and Jalon. Mered's wife, Bithia, gave birth to Miriam, Shammai, and Ishba, the father of Eshtemol. His Judaite wife gave birth to Jared, the father of Gedor, Heber, the father of Zoko, and Jekiel, the father of Zanoah. These were the sons of Pharaoh's daughter, Bethia, who Mered married. The sons of Hodia's wife, the sister of Nahum, the father of Kila the Garmite, and Eshtaran the Makalathite. The sons of Shimon, Amnon, Rinan, Bethhanan, and Tilon. The, son, the descendants of Ishi, Sohath, and Ben-Sohath. The sons of Shelah, the son, uh, son of Judah, Ur, the father of Lekah, Lada, the father of Merash, the clans of linen workers at Beth Ashbeth, Joachim, the men of Kozabeth, and Joash and Saraph, both of them of whom ruled in Moab, and Jashubi Lehem. This information is from ancient records. They were the potters who lived in Nateam and Gedera. They lived there and worked for the king. The descendants of Simeon, Nemuel, Jamin, Jared, Zaha, Jual, his son Shalom, his son Mishbam, uh, Mib, Mibsam, and his son Mishma. The descendants of Mishma, his son Hamuel, his son Sakur, and his son Shimei. Shimei had sixteen sons and six daughters, but his brothers did not have many sons, so their whole clan was not as numerous as the sons of Judah. They lived in Beersheba, Molada, Hazershual, Bilha, Izem, Toled, Bethuel, Horma, Ziklag, Beth Markaroth, Hazarzuzim, Beth Biri, and Jareyam. These were the towns until the reign of David. Their settlements also included Etam, Ainan, Rimnon, Tokin, and Ashen, five towns, along with all their settlements that surrounded these towns as far as Baal. These were the places where they lived. They kept genealogical records. Their, clans, their clan leaders were Meshabab, Jamalak, Johash, son of Ama, Amaziah, Joel, Jehu, son of Josabiah, son of Zariah, son of Aziel, Elionai, Jacobah, Jeshokanai, Azai, Adiel, Jezmiel, Benai, Zizi, the son of Jipi, the son of Alon, son of Jedi, the son of Jimri, the son of Jemei. These were the names above the leaders of their clans. The, their extended families increased greatly in numbers. 
They went to the entrance of Gidor to the east of the valley, looking for pasture for their sheep. They found fertile and rich pasture. The land was very broad, undisturbed, and peaceful. Indeed, some Hamites had been living there before that. The men whose names are listed came during that time, the time of King Hezekiah of Judah, and attacked the Hamite settlements, as well as the Menuhites they discovered there, and they wiped them out, as can be seen to this very day. They dispossessed them, for they found pasture for their sheep there. Five hundred men of Simeon, of Simeon led by Peleotel, Neri, Raphai, and Aziel, the sons of Ishi, went to the hill country of Seir, and defeated the rest of the Amalekite refugees, and they lived there to this very day. And now we move back to uh, the book of Psalms. And in this book of Psalms, we pick up, in a sense, the story of David and his life of suffering at that time. And this is a description in Psalm 56 as well as Psalm 57 of times which David was struggling, suffering, and calling out to God so that he might trust in God and continue to even praise God in the midst of his suffering. So we begin now with Psalm 56. For the music director, according to the Yonath Alim Raquiem style, a prayer of David, written when the Philistines captured him in Gath. Have mercy on me, O God, for men are attacking me. All day long hostile enemies are tormenting me. Those who anticipate my defeat attack me all day long. Indeed, many are fighting against me, O exalted one. When I am afraid, I trust in you. In God, I boast in his promise. In God, I trust. I am not afraid. What can mere men do to me? All day long, they cause me trouble. They make a habit of plotting my demise. They stalk and lurk. They watch my every step as they prepare to take my life. Because they are bent on violence, do not let them escape. In your anger, bring them, bring down the nations, O God. Keep track of my misery. Put my tears in your leather container. Are they not recorded in your scroll? My enemies will turn back when I cry out to you for help. I know that God is on my side. In God, I boast in his promise. In the Lord, I boast in his promise. In God, I trust. I am not afraid. What can mere men do to me? I am obligated to fulfill the vows I made to you, O God. I will give you the thank offerings you deserve when you deliver my life from death. You keep my feet from stumbling so that I might serve God as I enjoy life. And continuing with Psalm 57, also of David. Psalm 57. For the music director, according to the Altaschah style, a prayer of David, written when he fled from Saul into the cave. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me. For in you I have taken shelter. In the shadow of your wings I take shelter until trouble passes. I cry out for help to God Most High, to the God who vindicates me. May he send help from heaven and deliver me from my enemies who hurl insults. May God send his loyal love and faithfulness. I am surrounded by lions. I lie down among those who want to devour me, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Rise above the sky, O God. May your splendor cover the whole earth. They have prepared a net to trap me. I am discouraged. They have dug a pit for me. They will fall into it. I am determined, O God. I am determined. I will sing and praise you. Awake, my soul. Awake, O stringed instrument and harp. I will wake up the dawn. I will give you thanks before the nations, O Lord. I will sing praises to you before foreigners. 
for your loyal love extends beyond the sky and your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Rise up above the sky, O God. May your splendor cover the whole earth. You can hear in David's uh, Psalm 56 and 57 this cry to God for mercy and for protection, but also a word that he speaks to his heart as he trusts in God, knowing that God is the one who can save him, who will save him, and that it makes God not only a God who is able to save and who's able to protect, but a God who's worthy of being praised. And as we look at Acts chapter 14, we begin to see the same kind of suffering mixed with trust and praise of God in the life of Paul and Barnabas as they continue a journey sharing the good news of Jesus with others and planting churches wherever they go. Acts chapter 14. The same thing happened in Iconium when Paul and Barnabas went into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a large group of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they stayed there for a considerable time, speaking out courageously for the Lord, who testified to the message of his grace, granting miraculous signs and wonders to be performed through their hands. But the population of the city was divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When both the Gentiles and the Jews, together with their rulers, made an attempt to mistreat them and stone them, Paul and Barnabas learned about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and the surrounding region. There they continued to proclaim the good news. In Lystra sat a man who could not use his feet, lame from birth, who had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he was speaking. When Paul stared intently at him and saw he had faith to be healed, he said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And the man leaped up and began walking. So when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. They began to call Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of the temple of Zeus, located just outside the city, brought bulls and garlands to the city gates, and he and the crowds wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Saul and Paul heard about it, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Men, why are you doing these things? We too are men with human natures just like you. We are proclaiming the good news to you so that you should turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to go their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without a witness by doing good, by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying you with food and your hearts with joy. Even by saying these things, they scarcely persuaded the crowds not to offer sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and after winning the crowds over, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, presuming him to be dead. But after the disciples had surrounded him, Paul got up and went back into the city. On the next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. After they proclaimed the good news in that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch. They strengthened the souls of the disciples and encouraged them to continue in the faith, saying, We must enter the kingdom of God through many persecutions. When they had appointed elders for them in the various churches with prayer and fasting, they entrusted them to the protection of the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Ataliah. And from there they sailed back to Antioch. 
where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they reported all the things that God had done with them and that he had opened a door of faith for the Gentiles. So they spent considerable time with the disciples. What an amazing story. Uh, God working powerfully to change people's hearts and lives through the message, the good news of Jesus. And yet the disciples understanding and recognizing that they would suffer for the sake of sharing this good news and did so willingly because they knew that the God they spoke of, the God that they were sharing this good news about was the God who would protect them ultimately by keeping them safe in his loving hands, not necessarily physically safe, but spiritually and eternally safe, belonging to him, and that nothing, even death and suffering, could separate them from his love. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996 2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. <laughs>